Right, gang? You like to watch new stuff, right? I mean, who doesn't? I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 230, damn, episode 5 of The Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. It's the podcast where we take a deep fucking dive into America's shared consciousness. It's Friday, April 1st, which you all know is uh, National Buy a Person of Color, a Ferrari Day. Mm. Uh-huh. Hell and yeah. Just- any, if you're a person of color or part of any oppressed group, you can go to a Ferrari dealership. They have to give you a car. Or that may have been an April Fool's <laughs> thing. I don't know, but I believe it, and I want to believe that that's where our country's headed. Uh, it's also April Fool's Day, obviously. I don't know what kind of shenanigans have cropped up yet. But we'll be talking about something that actually isn't an April Fool's joke. But before that, let me introduce myself. My name is Miles Gray, a.k.a. You wake up, yogurt. Lunchtime, yogurt. Ride around in that yogurt. Flossing on that yogurt, these intestines, yogurt, my digestion, yogurt, this bod, yogurt, my rock, yogurt, acidophilus, acidophilus. Okay, shout out to uh, Josiah, Josea on the Discord, because yes, my dad had me drinking so much acidophilus as a kid to help my digestion, you know, and, and me and Baratunde Thurston, we were uh, commiserating over that shared experience, and I am 
thrilled to introduce my co-host with the mo-host, the brilliant and talented, hilarious, the brother from Chicago. Please welcome John Keith Neal. Here it is, the zeitgeist slightly transformed. Just a bit of a break from the norm. Just a little slap to break with a face be of all them <laughs> hardcore jokes that has gotten to be a little bit out of control. It's cool to laugh. But what about when your wife don't want to give you no ass? Give me a soft, subtle mix. <laughs> and if it ain't Jackie's, please try to fix it. Oh, what up, niggas? <laughs> are we happy oh, the week shit. is over? The Will Smith jokes are done. It's <laughs> over. That's it. That's it. Oh my Just God. the week of them. What Just the week of them. Oh, slappy, hello, slappy, everybody. Slappy that was. Time. Ooh, slappy, slappy, slappy time. Slappy time. <laughs> <laughs> Just pull my wrist back and unwind on your face. Yes. Yes. Yo, oh, Will shit. Smith was smart. He would make, he would, he would make, you know, Will Smith got a writer's room for his uh, Instagram. Oh, yeah. My man should. Like I he should, know. he should lean into hug. it and just be like, "Man, fuck it, I did it." My boy, let's, let's joke. Does a lot of the production on those videos, especially like the super sort of editing heavy ones. I'm gonna hit him oh, up. Yeah. I'm not gonna put. I'm gonna say your name, Mike. But Mike, <laughs> come on Mike? now, low hanging fruit. Now, Mike. Come it's on time now, to Mike. Pick the low hanging fruit. <laughs> All right, Jackies. It's good what to up? see you. Been a week, uh, as always. Been a week. It's been a week. T- today we have a fantastic guest. See, sometimes you get these guests in where. They actually, they're doing shit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? This person is, you know, written for The Guardian. I heard of that. Ooh. Maybe Ooh. you've seen some of their fantastic documentary work on AJ+. Plus. I oh, know shit. I have. And I know I just educated myself just by watching two videos. Now I feel like I, I don't have to go to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only is this person a fantastic journalist, documentarian, filmmaker, producer, editor. I mean, Damn. they, they Damn. wear all the hats. He's also a three-time Beard Foundation nominee. For somebody oh. like me who loves food, I can't. That doesn't. I can't think of something that excites me more than to speak to somebody with a Beard Foundation nomination. Also, Ooh. Emmy nominations. Also, Ooh. Webby Awards. Ooh. Please welcome to the for the first time. Yara Elm Dan 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 Yara. Oh guys, that was very kind. I'm, I'm, I don't know what the digital version of blushing is, but <laughs> <laughs> how are you, Yara? I'm What's good. Up? I'm good. Lovely to be here with you too. Okay, yeah. tell me about. Okay, I'm just going to jump into it because I saw your 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 Twitter bio when it said three time Beard Foundation nominee. What? Mm-hmm. Okay, what's going on? Tell me because I know you you <laughs> do you love food that yeah. intersects with a lot of the work you do at AJ Plus. But tell, can you just tell me a little bit about you your also food have a journey? very good beard? You got a good fizzle job <laughs> yeah. and a nice good beard. Jakey's not well. so into fine dining. He's like, yeah, that would be a beard good foundation. Beard, nice beard. Coming this in only nice. Five, five I or know, six days, that's... I think. I'm about to shave it. I'm, I'm very much into the clean shaven thing. So this will go away <laughs> okay. and they'll come back next week, six days okay. from now. Okay. Claim your beard uh, foundation nomination. Beard... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. It's double on top. No. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, where should I start with that? We had never really submitted to the James Beard Media Found uh, James Beard Foundation Media Awards, and I think we launched our show about four years ago. It's called Eat This with Yara. It was originally called In Real Life, and we rebranded very quickly because the food focus just started to become so much more uh, apparent in terms of our interests, in terms of the direction things were going. And we made an episode about um, basically why don't we have Native American restaurants on every street corner in the United States? It's the original food of the land that we today call 
America or the United States or what have you. Right. And yet there, there aren't that many Native American branded, at least restaurants. You know, there obviously are indigenous ingredients in all the foods, you know, from Mexican cuisine and so on and so forth. Right. But yeah, so we basically were like, what's the deal with this? And we looked into it. We, we interviewed various indigenous chefs uh, in the Southwest specifically, and then went up to Colorado. And through that story, by featuring kind of these chefs within the indigenous community, we then kind of shifted gears to be like, all right, so now you've seen what, you know, Native American cuisine can look like in the year, you know, 2018, which is when we released this. But why don't we have, let's go back to the original question. Why don't we have them on every street corner? And then, you know, frankly, we shift gears and go straight into, I mean, it comes down to a couple of things, but genocide and, you know, wiping off these, the native peoples of this land, you know, through colonization, as more and more European colonists came to this place, that mm-hmm. was the reason. So the documentary shifts gears. It's very fun and lighthearted. It's showing off amazing Native American cuisine, shifts to that history, and even parts of the history that aren't really talked about in our textbooks. Like we all heard about the Trail of Tears, right? That's something that comes up in the, you know, yeah. in middle school, whatever, elementary school. Uh, but there's also another, there's so many versions of that that have yeah. happened that we don't hear about, such as the Long Walk, which the Navajo community experienced, right? And this is just replicated across the country, you know, folks being dispossessed of their land. So yeah, that's kind of that. We put it out there. It was the longest thing I'd ever made. It was like 20 minutes, mm. you know, me and my colleagues. Uh, and uh, and we like submitted to the James Beard Foundation. We're like, well, this is about food and right. history and all these things. And, you know, we were very pleasantly surprised to win that nomination. Then, you know, we went on and on and that kind of became the theme of the show, food and social justice, food and science, food and yeah. the environment. And you do it really well. I mean, because like you're saying, you there's so many things. We're like, well, why isn't what's what's why, why isn't this thing happening? And it's almost like, and the answer is the sordid yeah. history of the United States, like every yeah. time. Uh, <laughs> and we'll talk about actually your latest video a little bit later on, uh, because I think it's a really really interesting. Like there are just things I was even sort of thinking uh, just from my own personal history as it relates to the, the latest video you put out as it relates to foraging and no trespassing signs. So we'll talk about that. But Yara, let's tell some of the people, let's actually, let's tell all the people uh, what we're going to be talking about before we get to know you a little bit better. First, we just have to talk a little bit, not a lot, maybe a lot of it about Madison Cawthorn. We, we kept touching on the sort of development of this story throughout the week. Like he was saying, he was going, he got invited to cocaine sex orgies and shit. And all the Republicans are like, Okay, who say come out with the names or this is all nonsense. That story has been evolving to the point where now he he may lose his congressional seat Mm. via uh, primary challenge. We'll get into that. We'll talk about how Biden is, you know, transitioning away from immigrant detention facilities to now more just surveillance devices that are almost essentially like light torture devices. So we'll look at that, I guess policy shift. Uh, I don't know what they're calling it, but yeah, we'll take a look at that. Uh, We'll talk again. Like I said, Yara, your latest documentary about no trespassing. We'll talk about the origins of no trespassing signs. Spoiler alert. I think you already know what we're going to say because fucking racism. Uh, And then we'll talk, you know, I I feel like this week we've seen a few tech things that we just bring up. We're like, what the fuck is going on with all this technological shit? I don't understand. Well, Dyson, the vacuum people, have now made headphones that are also an air purifier, and I'm it, it's it it, mm. it doesn't look like it's any does any type of good. So we'll talk about mm. that. But first, mm. Yara, let us know something from your search history that reveals <laughs> a little bit about who you are. 
So uh, I believe your producer kind of prepped me for this. So I, I actually had to look through it. And it's so yeah. funny what we discover about ourselves when we do the this. The are listening, Yara. The fans oh, are God. listening. I got a couple <laughs> things for you guys. I'm going to run through a few of them. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. Please. So weirdly, there's a classic Joanne the Scammer video from 2016. Welcome okay. to my Caucasian home. Yes. Which, yeah. <laughs> which for whatever reason came up in a conversation with friends over dinner. And she's like, oh, I'm one of my friends. Was like, I've never heard of that. And so I pulled up the video and just rewatched it for my own viewing pleasure uh, that was a lot of fun. Basically, oh. she hides out in a in a white woman's home, pretends like the the home is hers, and then the white woman re-enters. And anyways, it's just a funny. Minute, who does who video. does this again? What color is this person? Uh, Joanne the scammer. Uh, Brandon Miller. He's like he's he's he's. He, I think he's like biracial. He's black. Yeah, I think okay. so. You never okay. seen him. He he's like the light skinned dude. He has like green eyes, and he would wear this yeah. like blonde wig, and he's no. like come with me. He's like, this place is all Caucasian. It would like go into stores and shit and fuck with people and just act like this white woman. Yeah, no, I've never oh, seen this. Oh, wow. I, gotta watch it. I honestly, you know, I feel like Joanne the Scammer is kind of the origin, like without Joanne the Scammer, we don't get Scam Goddess with okay. Lacey. Because Joanne the Scammer was kind of putting scammer terminology like into the zeitgeist or just like the way this character was. I feel mm-hmm. like kind of brought up our love for this, this 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 idea of scamming so yeah i love that he was staying in white people's houses and uh oh he's know. so funny yeah he's yeah, yeah, oh yeah. He, he he is actually he is puerto rican and black mm. okay there you right. go. okay so he so he he's brown enough to to for this to have an element of danger uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's not like full blown. It's not like like jackass pranks and yeah, shit being yeah. like, I'm going to go into this white woman's home. It's just the vibe is always about as if, you know, it's a comedic bit. Yeah. But it's super, super funny. It's so Love funny. It. Yeah. He just goes in. He's like, look at these Malaysian tiles that I have. It's, just, it's <laughs> right, so right, funny. Right, right. Let me open my fridge. Oh, there's this Pellegrino. He's just kind of like, I don't know, going through a yoga mat. I feel like the there was. I think there was a cameo in a Tyler Perry movie, and that was like the heights of it that it reached for that character. But <laughs> come on now, bro, I'm black. I don't watch Tyler Perry movies. <laughs> I mean, when I said family, you know, like the la- I can't. Did you ever see a Tyler Perry movie in the theater? Hell no. The one <laughs> no. I saw was what the fuck was it? Maybe the second or third one. I went with my grandparents because they were like they were being like we went to the Tyler Perry play. Oh, I've been to a Tyler Perry play before. I've been to a Tyler Perry play. Yeah, and then my my grandparents like, I'm I'm joking, everybody. (laughs) Praise, praise be to King Perry. All right, (laughs) to King T. What else you got in your? All right, so let's see. I came across there was a Reddit thread about um, Russians who were eating expired military rations, and they were then comparing this to the Ukrainian military rations, which were much better, much fresher, yeah, more nutritious and more delicious. And there was like a YouTuber who went ahead and like ate a Ukrainian ration and was like, "Oh my God, there's apricot in." here look at this delicious stew and then the russian ones are just meanwhile expired and yeah very tasty let's see go through dining chair i want to i'm trying to find some dining chair you know tiny chairs for a table i just got facebook marketplace what makes a good dining chair yeah. You know, I'm I'm looking for one that's like 18 inches high because I sat at the table. The table's a little bit higher. So that's kind of the oh, thing. Yeah. I don't want to be reaching up for the table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of mm-hmm. my my main metric. Yeah. Okay. Do you need back, so back support? Is important armrests? Uh, yeah. What are we talking about? Back support here? would be good. Yeah. Back support is the only thing I'm, I'm, uh, I need. Armrests, like, eh, I don't mind. The ones I'm looking at don't have armrests. So yeah. that's kind of a more mundane one. 
Then also the Airbus A380 apparently is now partly, they just ran a test. Uh, they can now fly with this airplane with cooking oil, partly, not entirely, but they use oh, cooking shit. oil. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's kind of the future, right? Yeah. Sustainability. Um, right. So they're working to make it 100% cooking oil and think that'll wow. happen in the next 10 years. Like, Woo. you know, like like the shit like we were talking about, like in the early odds, we're like, this, this van is powered by fry, like French fry oil, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like that based the same kind of like waste oil. I think oil. it's a similar thing. Yeah, wow. yeah. So that, that was a fascinating, again, not 100% uh, yet, but yeah. I'm going to have to, if they start doing this, I'm going to have to start asking before I fly. So what, what gas y'all flying with? <laughs> I would, uh, you don't can trust I get the one of them gasoline planes real quick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you saying you don't, don't trust the fry oil plane? I don't trust, nah, I'm going to need, I'm going to need a few years of flight before I trust the frying oil. <laughs> hey, it works, man. It works. <laughs> and it smells plane. great. Actually, that's how they're going to get people. They're like, come on now, we cooked some chicken in this earlier. <laughs> you like, know you won't even get on this plane. They're like, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh, actually man. thinking about that, like the 737 MAX 8 and the flights that, you know, you know the mishaps that happened with that plane, yeah. kind of thinking how they started to list it next to the, the information when you were like right. buying a ticket. Just letting like, you know, uh, it's like, this. <laughs> it's not the one that had the fucked up sensor that was making them yeah. all nose die. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's the better one. That, I'm, and that's interesting, too, because like part of me, you know, as we see the, the, the price of oil and gas go up, that we're... Like you're seeing so many different takes of people being like, see, this is why the fuck we need electric cars and yeah. hybrids and shit, yeah. because not only is it does it mean we're cutting down on emissions, but it means greater national security or less, you know, mm. resource based conflict. And I like that. I guess maybe just out of the pure need of capitalism, they're like, fuck, man, this jet fuel is fucking too much. man. Like, <laughs> is there some shit we can cut this with? <laughs> This fly still corn oil. Yeah, corn so oil. if we get there, fuck it, so be it. Okay. Um, but the I'm be just less thinking like of people going to the grocery store and being like, I right, can get some of this airplane fuel slash <laughs> right. corn oil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, hold on. And they like, put like a sticker on it. It's a doubles as airplane fuel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're like, That's okay, great. Mazzola, I see you <laughs> out here. <laughs> You start seeing that on like a side of a Formula One racing car. It's like Mazzola. Like, <laughs> it's like all these cooking oils are now the fuel sponsor. Honestly, it sounds more like a, a, a fuel company than it does like a cooking oil company. That's true. Mazzola, I That's would true. believe. Yeah, 100. Hey, easy transition for y'all, you know, just go to petrol products. Um, what's something you think is overrated, Yara? Okay, so this I had to think about. Overrated, there's a couple things. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get hate here. I think Shake Shack is overrated. Oh, go yeah. Ahead. Okay. All right. Yeah. We're in agreement. I mean, this is, I'm just saying, go ahead and say it because people, people, a lot of times come on, like, I don't know if it's a hot take, man. In and out sucks. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fine. I eat it, but I'm yeah. not going to, I've lost the energy to defend it. Wait, tell me specific because Shake Shack for us in LA yeah. was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Shake oh. Shack. And <laughs> I was fucking with it. I remember that first week, I had it like three times the first week. And then, it's like when I'm around, sure, I'll get it. But what is what's the perspective from you? Because you live in New York, right? Yeah, yeah, I live in New York. I'm from California. I, I right. do prefer In-N-Out when that question comes up. Okay. And I, I like their fries. I don't care if they're not as crispy or whatever. Anyways, but Shake Shack, I just feel like their burgers are kind of dry. And like, mm. given oh, all the like fuss about them, it's like, oh, my God, there's a Shake Shack opening up. And, you know, it's it doesn't really. Yeah, the burgers just kind of dry. It's not juicy. I much prefer In-N-Out's like it's more moist. It's more tender. I don't know if they cook it a little bit like less or it's all the I don't salt. know how it works. Yeah, they salt that, that patty. That's, that's so that's kind of the thing. 
Because I yeah. normally find Shake Shack burgers to be greasy. Uh. Not so much, not like moist, as in like a nice moist burger on the inside, but greasy, greasy as in like the, 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 what, what's the shit that go the bun. I couldn't think of the word bun. Mm. The bun that goes yeah, over the, uh, yeah, it'd be, I'd be feeling it. it, but, so that's what I get from Shake Shack. So it's interesting that you find them um, to be a little more dry. Maybe, maybe New York, uh, Shake I don't Shack's know, I mean, I different. see the, I see the greasiness, and I think the dryness also comes from, like, they purposely smash it. That's kind right, of one yeah. of the techniques. And that That's gets true. that, like, browning of yeah. the, the meat, which creates a lot of flavor, but all, you also lose effect. a lot of juice, I think. So, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> Two different things. Juice and grease are not the same, y'all. <laughs> no, exactly. And that's the problem we have in this country is that mm-hmm. we are mistaking juice for grease. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what I keep saying. Yeah. Although I will say from Shake Shack, I like Shake Shack. It's okay. But I will say the, yeah. uh, uh, like, I don't love it. It's okay. It's just, it's whatever. It's a burger. It's expensive. I can go get mm-hmm. a double-double for like $4 cheaper. But yeah. yes. but I do love them. I do love the cheese crinkle cut fries. Those hit. Yeah. Oh, Those do hit. Crinkies. Are they animal style, though? Are they better than animal style? See, you guys I don't like, you know, I don't like animal uh. style. Uh, don't, no. People don't like In and Out fries, y'all. I'm I'm with you. I get the. I purposefully order them soft. Yeah. <laughs> I asked for light fries. I said, "Let me get light fries." They're like, "Oh shit, you really, you really got nobody in your corner." <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> but it is oh, what it is. what's the funny. best burger in New York? Would you say? Ooh, okay. Funny you should ask. I'm not, I don't know. This is so funny that because just a few months ago, I went for the first time. There's a place called Seventh Street Burger. It's in the East Village. Okay. It is the most simple thing. It's just meat, diced onions. I think there's a pickle, a slice of cheese. I don't think they put anything else in there. Buns are perfectly soft and supple and they are tender. They have the browning going on that Shake Shack has without the loss of juice and tenderness. It's just like, holy shit. It's so simple. It's a bunch of like college kids there, late night, you know, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like a sit down place. You grab your burger, you go. It's cheap. It's affordable. It's delicious. And it's been written. I think one of the Bella Bella Hadid or Gigi Hadid, one of them went to it. And then it, it got, you know, some notoriety after that. So amazing right. place. Cheap, delicious. Highly recommend. Okay. Hell okay. yeah. Get to know. Yara, what is something that you think is underrated? Okay, so I had a couple more overrated ones, but for the underrated one, let me see if I can get a good uh, controversial one in here. I'm going to stick to the topic of food. Mm -hmm. I think, okay, so maybe this requires a little bit of a preface. So I'm going to say that fusion food is underrated. And the reason I'm saying that is because in a lot of like, I feel like I'm going to get a ton of hate for this, but I feel like a lot of cooks that I know, chefs that I know hate the word fusion. I was just at a place with a buddy of mine a few weeks ago and then one of the the restaurant owner came out to talk to us and, and they're like oh no I, I hate that word don't call it fusion don't oh that's disgusting right. and i'm like you know okay fine you don't want to use the word fusion let's call it creative mixing amalgamation i don't right. know creative cooking whatever you want to call it when two cuisines come together when right. you put miso paste in your french beef bourguignon but that tastes amazing. Ooh. So that's Japanese, French. Who who cares? And you don't want to call it fusion. You can call it whatever you want. Hybridization. <laughs> whatever you want to call uh, it. Yeah. Biracial it. food. <laughs> mm-hmm. I Biracial love food. that concept. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah love man. I love it. I like that. Yeah, I'm trying to think of fusion foods that I that I like. Because I don't know, Miles, you, I mean, you're both from California, both from California, and I'm even thinking back, going back to Chicago. Mm. I feel like the word fusion or the 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 tag fusion doesn't get 
thrown on as many restaurants that are fusion type restaurants. Like you get a lot of Asian fusion yeah. restaurants, you know. But yeah, I'm trying to think of some that I can it's readily like now remember. It's like new Asian. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. yeah, you know, Korean tacos are a thing. You know, yes, right. okay, like okay. Kobe, all Roy, everything Roy Choi is doing. Yeah, you okay. Know what else is I it? love it all. It's great. I yeah. mean, and there's which well, is so many. I mean, in general, it's all food isn't bound to become fusion anyway, right? Because yeah. you can't you can't fucking silo these cuisines. Mm-hmm. Just like you can't silo yeah. music. Like all music now, you look at every artist. Some artist is doing some version of unless you're doing like folkloric fucking music. Mm-hmm. You're already inherently going to be dabbling with other styles and shit like that. And it's only mm-hmm. to our benefit. So, like, I get that the because the tag feels very like 90s, 80s cuisine. Yeah. Like, this is wellness. Welcome to this like French fusion. Place. Yeah, but right, right, right. At the end of the day, like you look even look at some of like the cool uh, like black restaurants that are in L.A., they're 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 sort of doing a upscale version of soul food with like mm-hmm. elevated techniques or cooking and that's already mm-hmm. fusion but we're still calling it soul food but we're just mm-hmm. saying it's new soul whatever mm-hmm. and you know look around everybody we, we see it all around us uh, everything using so many things yeah Hell it's yeah, crazy yeah. i mean like i had a thing about like even if you look at like you know where ingredients travel and come from mm-hmm. uh even if i can like you know refer back to our native american cuisine doc like I learned from that, as well as through the book, you know, Guns, Germs, and Steel, like that right. a lot of the ingredients we might see in Italian food, other places, chilies, tomatoes, chilies, potatoes, beans, corn, squash, all these things originate in the Americas, uh, North and South America, right? And so now it travels to Italy, the tomato, and they start using it. No one bats an eye, right? It's like, oh, yeah, marinara sauce, Italian, spaghetti, meatballs, Italian, but that is a fusion food. And right. the noodles are from China. Right. <laughs> so, like, yeah. that's not even really, like, what, so that fusion is okay because a couple hundred years have passed, but the other fusions are not okay. <laughs> right, right, right. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Peanut butter and jelly is a fusion. Where peanut butter from? That's America, right? <laughs> We're jelly. We're jelly. <laughs> right. Jelly's Britain. Is that so great you Britain? Put, when you put ranch on pizza, that's, that's fusion. fusion. Oh, yeah, exactly. Fusion. You know what I mean? That's People fusion. don't realize. Hawaiian pizza. Walgreens sushi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's, is an abomination. That's a, yeah, that's, that's a different that's type a, of fusion, probably. My Japanese side will not allow me to view such a, <laughs> such a terrible, terrible transgression of our culture. But, you know, everything's fusion, baby. You know, like, got to let it cook. Because, you yeah. know, shout out to people like our good friend Jamie Loftus, who would love nothing more than some gas station sushi. So to okay. each their uh, own. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll be right back to talk some news. Zeit gang, customers are rushing to your store, but do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it, you know, like a literal POS? Well, you need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Connect with customers in line and online. Look, you want to use TikTok? Well, guess what? They have plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns on platforms just like that. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Now, I was looking at Shopify.com and I'm trying to get some answers. Let's say, uh, you know, how to bustling retail business and i need you know maybe uh, some hardware to be able to sell my wares on the street take credit card payments whatever and i know shopify is easy to use half the time i buy something online i'm like oh yep they're using shopify 
And if you need to learn more, check out their website. It's super easy to navigate, whether you have questions about how you can optimize your inventory or, again, looking for hardware to make sales easier, Shopify.com has all of that. Just go there. Check it out. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash TDZ, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash TDZ to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash TDZ. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course, and Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island, and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're back. And uh, let's check in with Madison Cawthorn, the Republican from North Carolina. Mr. Young, Fashion Handsome has been one of the more visible Republicans recently, you know, especially as he's, you know, he's, he, he stays with the bigoted takes. And then more recently, you know, he came in with the very odd pro-Putin take being like, man, Vladimir Zelensky's a thug, man. What the fuck is that guy thinking? <laughs> and people are like, what? the fuck where are you getting your where, who are you and he's to the point where sometimes other republicans are like yo young man you need to slow down which is very rare you hear that from other republicans well his love of a good story and having the spotlight on him may be causing his you know his uh, status as a congressperson it might be putting that at risk because at the end of last week we talked about this cawthorn went on some podcast decked out in some christian soldier brand apparel that he's like fucking caping for looking real cool 
And when he was asked if working in Congress is anything like House of Cards, he gave a real wild answer that, you know, a lot of people began reporting on. And everything else is good. Uh, Aside (laughs) from that, I mean, the sexual perversion that goes on in Washington, I mean, being kind of a young guy in Washington, the average age is probably 60 or 70. And I look at all these people, a lot of them that I, you know, I've looked up to through my life, I've always paid attention to politics, guys that, you know, then all of a sudden you get invited to, like, well, hey, we're going to have kind of a, a, a sexual get-together at one of our homes. You should come. And I'm like, what, what, what did you just ask me to come to? Yeah. Uh, and then you realize they're asking you to come to an orgy. Yeah. Uh, or, or the fact that, you know, there's some of the people that are leading on the movement to try and remove, you know, addiction in our country. And then you watch them do, you know, a key bump of cocaine right in front of you. Okay. Hell yeah. So... <laughs> When you saw the when I saw the headlines, I said, "What is wrong with this man?" Then I see the video, and I'm like, "Oh, he's lying. He's just lying. <laughs> like, you know, this is not real. He's the whole thing is like, yeah. Next thing you know, you're gonna, just saying like, come to a, a, a sexual get together at my house. That's not, who's having an orgy and calling it a sexual get together. <laughs> but again, that's you know everybody's in their own lane. So he went on to say this, chest out. This naturally caused a lot of confusion within the party and in the news. People were like, what? While many others, I'd say, naturally just look at the legal troubles of people like Matt Gates, And they're like, oh, OK, like I see the potential for this because it's not like we've never heard of sex or drug scandals in Congress at all. But the Republicans, meanwhile, were fucking livid because his comments seem to imply that he is talking about his fellow Republicans. He's like, people I look up to, man. And then they're you don't. You think a Democrat is going to be like, hey, man, Madison, why don't you come through to our fuck party later? That's, again, that's even harder to believe than any of this shit. So they're like, who are you talking about? Who are you trying to say in the party is having these, these like orgies and doing key bumps and shit? And it caused all these fucking problems that. Uh, As we talked about in a previous trending episode, minority leader Kevin McCarthy basically snatched him by the neck and said, yo, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, this is terrible. You're you're clearly showing that you are probably not ready to even be in Congress because of the way you're behaving. And this is like the really funny part, right? McCarthy. So a reporter was talking to Kevin McCarthy and they said, hey, did he ever tell you about like who he saw? And McCarthy says when when asked if like he could name people, Cawthorn, quote, thinks he saw maybe a staffer in a parking garage, maybe a (laughs) 100 yards away and that he doesn't know what it was. (laughs) <laughs> that is everything he was hinging his story on, was that he saw somebody from 100 yards away in a parking garage. Hmm. We just talked about off mic going to a concert. I- I've seen Beyonce from 100 yards away. I could barely tell it was her, except mm-hmm. for the, the the warming glow that was emanating from her body. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I it's so difficult. Who has that kind of eagle-eyed vision? You know, the funny thing about this is I don't know why. Republicans are funny, man. I I don't necessarily know why he would lie about this, but right outside of him just being stupid because he's young and he feels like, oh, this is what young people lie about, right? <laughs> and lying has just come second nature right. to him. But, you know, the funny thing is a lot of sex and drugs go on in Congress, even with these Republicans. But they probably just be like, yo, but shut the fuck up. And, and if you go <laughs> say something, don't well, lie about it. Don't lie. Like, it's, yeah. there's a lot of truth you can say. Like, don't don't tell a lie about it. Evan Hurst at Wonkette kind of pointed out an interesting thing, right? Because he's like a self-styled evangelical. And 
you know, in these circles, right, you can you can give your testimony, right? You talk about how you were saved. Um, like at church, you talk to other people at church and you give your testimony about this is this is how bad my life was till I was saved by Christ. Mm-hmm. Or you talk about how you're able to resist things and only through the, the power and the strength of salvation was I able to say no to these, you know, satanic temptations. And he was sort of speculating. He's like, this also sounds like this. He's going around other people in the evangelical world and kind of trying to like pump up his shit. He's like, man, look at the shit. I'm around and I'm still resisting. Cause mm-hmm. I'm the, the strength I derive from Christ. Uh, so there is, le- there, there are elements of that to it as well, but this is the thing that really bugs me. Right? So Kevin McCarthy, he's trying to get on his high horse and he's saying things like, quote, this is unacceptable. There is no evidence to this. He changes what he tells. And that's not becoming of a congressman. He did not tell the truth. That's unacceptable. Now, what is the, th- this is the thing that really blows my mind is they are getting more bent out of shape for his like freshman year liar act than all of the racist murderer type shit that other people in the party are saying. And it's just wild to see all this energy be like, I can't believe he's lying about this stuff. Lying is not who we are as Republicans in Congress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's because the racist shit, they want their base to, you know, know that, hey, under un, the undertones of this is here. Uh, beginning your dick what? wet is something they don't want their base to know about. They want their base to think the dick stay dry. You know, that's what they want. Right, because they want everybody, everyone's chased, right? Yeah, and everybody's still chased. Still fits into this idea of the, yeah, this uh, evangelical pure person. But I don't know, just it, it, the other thing about it is just so transparently feels like when you look at that clip that he does also, he does feel like some dude that's lying. You know what I mean? I feel like we've all experienced people like this in our lives where they're like, yo, what yeah. was it like? What yeah. was it like over there? Let me tell you. OK. And then you're like, man, you lying. Oh, this yeah. shit is true. That's that had big liar energy. I don't Yara, know. What, what you think? What, what this did you was, gather energetically? Would you think Yara this was that? cool? Would you think would you would would this make Republicans more cool to you if they was having <laughs> drug and orgy parties? <laughs> I mean, I think to Jaquise's point, I mean, I think there's an image that Republicans want to project to their base. And exactly Mm -hmm. like you said, like this, this image is very much like there's no drugs. We don't have sex. We are, you know, maybe perhaps you saw Trump even holding up the Bible right right outside. And I don't think I don't think that that family is particularly pious. (laughs) No, no. So there's very much it's very much an image game. So when you see a lot of Republicans, I think Marjorie Taylor Greene, Kevin McCarthy, they're all condemning. Oh, my God, can't believe he said this. Let's disown him. Right. I think, you know, on the one hand, right. Did he lie? Did he not lie? Whatever, whatever he saw, whether it was 100 yards away, whether or not. The bigger thing I think this reveals to me is is you see the reaction from the rest of the party. And that to me is like, oh, God. We we cannot be our 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 image. The image that we are right. selling to people is now being besmirched. Good God, let's let's eliminate this bruise from our beautiful <laughs> right. skin or whatever. Flawless, <laughs> yeah, this perfect <laughs> visage that we have that we show to the world. When you're like, y'all are so transparently hateful, but your problem is y'all fuck and do blow. <laughs> okay, uh, and also the key bump thing. A lot of people are speculating. You're like, how are you going to use words like key bump? Yeah, and what, that's a very specific what, order, Madison. What? <laughs> where'd you learn that? Because <laughs> it was to the point where even I saw the. I think it was the Webster or Merriam-Webster's dictionary Twitter account was like, "There's a lot of talk of key bumps, so please allow us to further illuminate this." Thing. Oh, that's what that like shit a, was a couple days ago. 
Yeah. Did a whole thread on sniffing coke uh, off the fucking key. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, that's where that lies. And now at this point, you know, you have other people in the party and, and like prominent North Carolina politicians who are now coming out to support his primary challenger to basically see like, nah, it's a wrap. So, you know, I guess he flew too close to the sun. Uh, yeah. Young Madison. <laughs> Okay, I also want to just kind of put some attention on the Biden administration for a second. I know that I think as of Thursday, there's talk about right now with the Biden administration, a shift in the policy on Title 42, which was essentially saying that was the thing that the government was saying, like, "Ah, because of COVID, you know, we can't really let people in, even if you're seeking asylum. And then once the the immigration laws begin to change, like, okay, but if you're from Ukraine, that's all good. All you other brown people. I mean, you have to sit tight. And many people are like this makes no sense. Like the Title 42 doesn't even make sense at this point if you're making exceptions for what you're saying, like that Ukrainians are less likely to have. What What is the logic here? So while all that's going on, there's also been some other things as it relates to immigration that have been bubbling in the back. And, you know, there have been headlines saying, you know, Biden to stop holding undocumented families in detention centers or U.S. to close or scale back troubled immigration detention centers. But in this budget proposal, right, he's actually taking back like 25 percent of the bed capacity at immigration detention facilities and just ending uh, like a contract with a problematic uh, operator of a detention facility. And you're just kind of like, oh, okay, so he's just like, 25 percent better than Trump, like because he's asking for less. What is the actual policy? And so there's a replacement. Right. And his replacement is electronic monitoring, which either means regular check ins via an app or an actual monitor, like an ankle monitor that has to be worn. And right now there are more than 200,000 people equipped with a monitoring device, which is more than double the number from last year. And Mm. You look at like who's running this. It's the same stinky cast of characters, BI Incorporated, who's a subsidiary of GEO Group, which is like a gigantic private prison company. This is kind of like their new thing. And they just got like another two billion a couple of years ago to keep running this program. And when you just sort of like look at how this all starts, right? BI Incorporated, they quite literally started as a cattle monitoring business. Oh, shit. Okay that their technology was to track non-human life forms. And that's this is the evolution that we're seeing now is to now say, you know what, let's put it on people where the statistics say people do come, they do check in when they need to to stay up to date with their immigration status. But let's add this like level of, you know, fucking policing so people feel safe, even though it's absolutely not necessary. And you look at like what these what the actual experience is like, It's just really, really fucking terrible. So, you know, again, not to just make someone feel like, hey, you got to put this tag on you because you're illegal. Most of the people who have these monitors have to wear it for at least a year. And some have worn them from seven to 10 years. And just to look at kind of the things that what happens, the experience of wearing an ankle monitor, they like overheat. They've given people electric shocks, which deprive them of sleep. The app that if you're lucky enough to use the app, is super glitchy and people miss check-ins and things like that. And case managers have been told, you know, someone says, hey, I missed the check-in and I actually really need to, I need help uh, leaving a situation I'm in because I'm in an abusive relationship. And like someone who is one of these caseworkers asked the management to be like, hey, is there a way that we can help this person? They were allegedly told, you're supposed to be hard on these people. Yeah. Like, don't, don't, don't suddenly have empathy. And I saw a story to 
sorry, I saw I saw I saw a story today, and that's what this reminds me of is somebody who's on house arrest right now got mm-hmm. a call at two forty five AM for a check in. And if like he wouldn't have picked up, he said he would have technically missed his check in and could have, you know, got in trouble. Right. Been like, and that's a violation, right? That's a violation, right? Two forty five AM. He's sleeping. That's a fucking that's that's mm-hmm. sleep time. And it just makes me think they do this type of shit and it, it feels like they do this to, in hopes of how can we make this as inconvenient and as uncomfortable as possible? So if, you know, people get violations, it's much easier just to be like, hey, you violated, you got to go. Right. Or you violated, like, punishment, punishment, yeah. as opposed yeah, to working with people. Yeah, you want to stack the deck. You want to stack the deck yeah, against to, these people. Against people. It's, it's terrible. You you look at even the experience of the people who have to have be, you know, surveilled. 88% of surveilled people like immigrants that like according to this poll had mental health issues trouble sleeping migraines and depression and 12 percent had you know ideation around self-harm because of just the dehumanizing experience of being monitored and having to wear this uh, ankle monitor and also you know it, it, uh, it hampers their ability to even work you know employers are reluctant to hire someone who have like a beeping ankle monitor like other people, if you're like in a workplace and people are like sort of have an innate just being like, yo, is immigration going to come through because you got this ankle monitor on? Like, I don't want you working here or like just treating people hostile because of it. It's just become a really uh, huge problem. And it's not just here. It's happening in Canada. It's also in the UK. Uh, and it's just something really, you know, it, it, we, we see a lot of like articles that are like, oh, wow, like look at this humane shift. But like deep down, we're, we're just looking at other ways that are making someone's you know, already terrible experience trying to escape uh, the living situation of their one country even worse by just trying to find some peace when you seek asylum. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Let's let's take a quick break and we'll come right back to talk about foraging and no trespassing signs. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course, and Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise. The sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island, and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If 
you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. And before I threw the break, I mean, I compl- Yara had the best transition out of that human monitoring piece into his latest piece on AJ Plus about foraging, like urban foraging and no trespassing signs. And I'll allow you to do you still. Is that pivot still valid? Do you yeah, think we can pivot. I mean, it's going to pivot a little bit into the documentary, but um, Let's basically. Do it miles to the point that you just brought up, right? It's like they're making it so easy to quote unquote violate the rules with these right. ankle bracelets, right? It reminds me of basically the history that that's presented in our documentary too. Uh, after the Civil War, after the end of enslavement, uh, there was a moment in time, aside from the trespassing stuff, which I'll get to, but there were a series of laws passed in the South called the Black Codes. Yeah, And basically one of these, one of the many codes was like, there's a number of things that required of newly freed Black Americans to do, for example, it's really, really fucked up. Like you have to call your employer master, for example, mm-hmm. or beyond that, there's some really like just bizarre, like there's one that's like switching jobs was is illegal. illegal, yeah, right? Wow. And not yeah. having a job for whatever period of time, let's say you're searching for a new job, you just left your previous one, not having a job, also illegal. And they would call you a vagrant, quote unquote. So you're just kind of walking out on your own, grabbing some groceries as you're applying to your next job. That's a crime. Right. So they made it so easy for black Americans to be charged with crimes. So that's what they would do. The police would come arrest them or give them a fine, essentially. And the fines were so insanely high that no ordinary person, literally no ordinary person at that time could pay them. So what would end up happening is that black Americans were essentially having to work in a forced labor situation again, just like the period of enslavement to pay off the fine. So this was a way for kind of white Southerners at the time to continue as many of the circumstances of slavery without actual, quote unquote, a a word called slavery. Right, right. We'll just make it impossible to exist as a free person. And then, yeah, we can we can create some laws to uh, find you in violation of your newly experienced freedom. Yeah, this documentary is really it's it was really dope. So in it, you are talking with a black forager from TikTok. And sort of 
like again, all your pieces start off with food, right? And like mm-hmm. how in, how much food abounds, you know, in our urban environments or wooded areas that are edible if you just know what they are and how to prepare them, forage them, etc. And then, th- then you there's like the moment in the documentary where it's like, well, you know, there it is hard to get to certain places. Like you can only really forage in these like public spaces because of these things we see all around us, no trespassing signs. And for me, I'm always like, yeah, man, private property. People don't want you on their fucking property. And then you start, then you begin to really explain sort of the evolution of the no trespassing sign, you know, like in using foraging as a jumping off point. But like, walk us through just a little bit of like how we went from the newly found freedom for people who are who are coming from the Britain to the the American colony and how that sort of evolved into these like no trespassing laws we see now. Totally, totally. The history is just insane and fascinating. And, you know, so, I mean, to start off with basically uh, people who came, the original settlers, you know, colonists who came to colonize this land, you know, America, the United States, what have you, a lot of them were basically charged with crimes in the UK or in Great Britain, I should say. And so uh, one of those crimes was poaching or hunting illegally on someone else's private property or what have you. Right. So these people were then deported, right, uh, quote unquote, criminals to the, this new land for this crime. And so because they had been penalized for basically trespassing, quote unquote, and hunting on people's lands, these colonists were like, hell no, we are not having any trespass laws in this fantasy new land that is ours. Right. LOL, it's not theirs, but whatever. So they're here. They're like, no trespassing. You can freely walk anywhere, gather berries, mushrooms, you know, shoot a rabbit, shoot a deer, eat it, hunt it, fish, wherever you want. This is this is the new land that we have. Right. Of course, uh, again, they didn't include black and indigenous people in that definition. It was mainly for white kind of European colonists. But anyways, that's the law. That's that's kind of what they set out to do. But this all of a sudden changes, right? And 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 before actually before I should get to the change, I should also say that that foraging for wild foods and so forth, everyone did that. So so a lot of Black Americans at that time, during the period of enslavement, you know, the food that the white landowners were handing out was not sufficient. It was not great. So they would fill out their diets with you know hunting that they would do on the side. They would maybe have a little a little plot of land where they could grow a little something, and then foraging wild you know fruits, berries, what have you to fill out those diets. Anyways, now, basically, when the Civil War happens, and after the Civil War, 1865, slavery is abolished, then what ends up happening is, and the, the researcher kind of describes this, how he noticed it when he was looking through land and legal documents. He's like, the United States, you know, the country is destroyed, right? It just went through a civil war, right? right. And instead of passing like a ton, a shit ton of laws about reconstruction, which they did eventually do. But instead of doing that up first, like, oh my God, let's fund this, reconstruct this building, reconstruct that building. They started passing laws about trespassing, which he was like, I kept noticing this again and again and again. I'm like, why the hell after the country has been ravaged and everyone, you know, hospital people are dead. There's people who are missing limbs and they're walking on whatever. Instead of passing laws to help those people and build the country, you are passing laws about trespassing. Why could this be? Mm-hmm. And he traces it down. I mean, this is like a 10 year research project that this dude has spent time on and basically was like, there is no other reason besides what he calls racialized labor control. Basically, newly freed black Americans now in the economy, now living, you know, trying to live free lives. And the former kind of white landowners who held plantations and whatever in the South were like, no, we want to continue as many of the conditions of slavery as possible. And so passing trespassing laws was one way to do that. How did it do that? It was basically by limiting 
Black Americans from foraging and filling out their diets and supplementing their diets with other foods that they would find. So they basically wanted to, I mean, this is very graphic, but they wanted to starve newly freed Black Americans back into confinement, back into working for the plantation. In other words, come and work for me. That's your only option. You right. cannot find food for yourself. And so they got these laws passed initially. And and that it kind of explains the spread of no trespassing laws. Obviously, today, sure. they exist for a completely different reason. Right. If somebody has a no trespassing law, you know, whatever, it doesn't mean that they're racist or whatever. But the spread of them in this country, the rapid, rapid spread has a lot to do with racism, you know, against because the energy prior to that was like, yeah, fuck it, man. Yeah. Eat, eat that. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Shoot that. Hunt that. Whatever. Jump over my fence and grab berries. I don't care. Right. It's right. like, what? And all of a sudden, this suddenly changed when all of a sudden it's like black Americans doing it. So it's, you know, mm. it comes back to so many of the histories, whether it's the hit. We can go into so many things with this. But yeah, that's very interesting because, you know, like Miles said earlier, you know, you it, it's very funny how this shit is ingrained in us because I was just think, oh, no mm -hmm. trespassing. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, yeah, it's private property. Out. I don't want you eating my berries. I don't trust you, blah, blah, blah. All yeah. these type of things that we've just been taught and, you know, put into our system, put into our system and our mental capacities. But, you know, it's crazy to hear. Oh, yeah. Before that, people was like, oh, you want some berries? Yeah, yeah. Man, shit, that's what it's there for. Come get them. And then when black <laughs> yeah, people was yeah. like, oh, word. Yeah, I want some berries. Hold on now, niggas. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, right. nah, man, I don't know where you've been at. Exactly. I don't know. I don't know you. I don't know what you're going to do if you come on my property, you know, and it's just and, oh, and that how that food. mindset has like gotten passed down. And or yeah, or even just the idea, right? Like I was raised to never go on somebody else's property. I was just, that was just something inherently I was told from my dad, my grandfather, just like, yo, don't fucking go, you don't, don't just walk up on that person's lawn or some shit. You don't know what the fuck's going on. I mean, there's, there's an inherent, there's this like subconscious idea that there are spaces you can't access, right? And you think about how much of that is directly tied back to people who have been newly freed saying, I need, I'm trying to find a way to survive and have access to these certain things. But then Suddenly you have these laws that are criminalizing your existence and your way of living and just how that sort of idea too. like, it, it's funny, like I remember being like as kids, you know, some of my white friends were like, oh, let's go run up on this doing ding dong ditch shit. And I was mm -hmm. like, I don't know about that shit. I'm not trying to run up on somebody's fucking door. like, you know, for a myriad <laughs> of reasons, but that there's always this sort of consistent emphasis on the idea that there are spaces that are limited for some people and other people do have access. And it's just, it's just wild how so much of it, you're like, truly like, fuck, of course, we're, <laughs> there's a straight line from that to slavery. Or like, you know, when people discover like tipping is a yeah. relic of slavery as well. Literally, I was just about yeah. to bring that up too. Tipping is the same history. I mean, it's a long history. We'd have to go into it, but similar, the, you know, white Americans, very opposed to tipping because it represented right. class. And they're like, we don't like Great Britain. Everything is about class and you're lesser and you're more and you're greater and I'm lesser. We don't want that. This is America, democracy, freedom. Everyone's the same. But yeah. <laughs> then we bring, bring in the issue of race. Then, you know, how do people start feeling? Well, they don't feel comfortable tipping other white Americans because it would indicate lower status. You tip people mm -hmm. who are lower than you. But then all of a sudden, when it comes to black Americans, oh, all of a sudden, everyone's yeah. okay with tipping. And then the culture fully changes. And now the United States does tipping and, and, and the UK does not do tipping. It's literally, like, right. God, like history. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. And so 
I mean, all that to say is, yeah, the the work that you do in these documentaries are really eye opening because there yeah. there's always a way to have this intersection of like our history and the things that we're doing now and like you know just finding that awareness through mm. just a bit of research, which I think is 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 a real great thing. Thank you so much. I appreciate May I ask that. A, a documentary question just in general? Yeah, for sure. Because I I always find documentaries fascinating from a research standpoint because, you know, like we all are very used to going down rabbit holes, so to say. If you find one thing out, you you, you read a little bit about it and then you just start going down rabbit holes of information and things like that. As a researcher, and as, you know, quick or as long as you want to talk about it, what is uh, that mm. process of finding a topic, researching it, putting it together? Like, what is the, what is the, you know, the process of a documentary of this sort? I think, I think maybe, I guess the part I want to concentrate on is like the ideation part of it. Like, how do we get these ideas and how do we connect yeah. them to food and whatever? And honestly, I think the best works that we've, we've, my team has done and, or the works that we're most proud of, I should say, like, it really just comes from daily life inspiration. Like if we go back to the Native American cuisine piece, though, you know, we opened this episode with like, I was, I was traveling, went on a road trip with some friends to the Southwest. We went to New Mexico, we went to Arizona and then, you know, we went to the Navajo nation and, uh, we went to the reservation, went on a tour through what's called Antelope Canyon. It's a beautiful Canyon. It's been featured on National Geographic. It's gorgeous years. I think centuries of rain has caused this incredible, smooth rock, amazing shapes. And obviously there's Navajo guides that, you know, it's, it's on their land. They organize the whole thing. So we went to go see it. And then afterwards we're like, well, we want to have, you know, what is Navajo cuisine? Right. And, you know, we asked our guide and she was, you know, she was telling us, oh, we don't really have any restaurants around here for us. You know, there was a Burger King, it was a McDonald's, there was a Wendy's, there was a Denny's. There weren't even that many supermarkets or any, honestly, that had fresh food. It was a food desert, the part of it that we were in. And so I started asking, like, this is so screwed up that, you know, again, the same concept we brought up, the indigenous people of this land, and there's there's not a single restaurant that that is here. And so we kind of started looking into it. We got back home and kind of finished that the trip. You know, me and my uh, co-producer at the time just thinking, like, what's what's the reason for this? And so we look deeper and deeper and there's Reddit threads and people and then we come across an author and then we come across another author you know, a group of folks who own like a quick service Chipotle-esque Native American restaurant in Colorado. And we start to connect the dots and just the in that sort of natural curiosity that comes from a real life lived experience leads to this, you know, documentary. And it's kind of like at a certain point, you need to kind of uh, cross your fingers, close your eyes and jump into it because you're like, I don't know, is there something here? We're calling mm. people, we're talking to people, we're reading books, reading articles. Right. Yeah. This, there's not really too many articles that are written about this. Why are there narrative names? There was a National Geographic piece and like, I think one other thing that was a little tiny piece. So we were kind of, you know, in these uncharted waters, sort of uh, trying to figure out where is the academic paper or who is the leading resource on this. And, you know, we kind of spoke to a lot of indigenous chefs and kind of uh, pieced together what they were saying with, with some of the history. And that's that. So it's very much lived experience. Again, like, Another okay. piece that I think we're very proud of uh, is about a, I mean, just kind of put it blankly, a, a phallic-shaped clam. Yeah. And basically, <laughs> yeah, the gooey duck, exactly. And so that came up uh, from an office conversation. We were going to go to Seattle for another piece. 
one of our you know colleagues is from Seattle. It's like, well, if you're doing, if you're down there, why don't you do a quick piece about you know this clam? And we're like, well, there isn't really much history or science element to this piece, you know. But sure, maybe we'll do like a two minute video and just kind of call it a day. And then one of my producers, you know, she uncovered like, what well, did you know that this clam is being sold at very exorbitant prices in China? And we're like, okay, interesting. But okay, still. And then she's like, well, you know, who's selling this clam to China and whose lives it has transformed are the indigenous communities of the Pacific Northwest. And we're like, what? Wow. So we start looking into this and this the sale of this clam, which again is an indigenous American thing and has been consumed by, you know, Native American tribes for for you know, years, is being sold to China at very high rates. And that money has allowed them in their communities to provide for social services, uh, scholarships, uh, medical services, services that, that they could they didn't have before on the reservation. So, you know, that was like, whoa, this is such an uplifting story. And now right. they're claiming ownership of it because Washington State, so I could just go on and on about this, but there's a rule, a law in Washington State where like 50% of caught fish belongs to Native American communities. So if you are a non-Native person and you're fishing, you can only fish so much right? before they cut you off and say no for the sake of, you know, it's like a reparations kind of thing. The rest of it belongs to them because for years it has been stolen from them. Right. So it's it, you know, that was like such an inspiring story. And we wanted to talk about that. So long story short, real life experiences, ideas, some Googling, some Reddit threads, rabbit holes. But that honestly, to me, is the is the best way. Mm. Right. Just to naturally let your curiosity take it, take it where it needs to. That's cool. But it's about having that the desire and the energy to just keep following it till you mm -hmm. actually arrive at something. And and then sure enough, every time you do. So that's dope. Yeah. Really amazing work. Uh, Thank you. Right. You guys, that's very kind of you. I mean, even today, if I could just pop in the ankle bracelet thing, I'm going to start Googling that today because that yeah. that not only makes me very upset, but yeah. I'm like, is there what's the story behind that? Like, I mean, yeah. yeah, that our carceral technologies are there's a pipeline from fucking agriculture, cattle monitoring to now human monitoring. Yeah. yeah. And what's that relationship? like? Right, who are right, the people yeah. there and who where'd they get this idea? Uh, well, Yara, thank you so much uh, for joining yeah, us uh, on the Daily Zeitgeist today. Very, very, very awesome time. And I, I really encourage everybody to check out his work uh, on AJ Plus uh, on their YouTube channel, too, because it's there as well. But where can people find you and follow you? And what's a tweet that you like? Ooh, OK. So um, we yes, uh, on AJ Plus, I'm on Insta I'm also personally on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, those are kind of the two main platforms I'm on trying to get on TikTok. But yeah, it's basically first letter of my first name, then my whole last name at Yelm Jewy. And a tweet that I like got a few. Okay, so actually, I'm just kind of keeping in theme. I don't know if you guys heard about that CEO that took a huge pay cut at his company to give uh, everyone at his company a minimum of like $70,000. Oh, see that dude with the long ago? hair? Yeah, the long yeah. hair kind of. I know yeah, that's yeah. avatar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he just tweeted out, which is this is a story that's been circulating. Uh, but basically, $850 million of New York State's annual budget is going to fund the Buffalo Bills Stadium after yeah. New York State announced an $800 million cut to child and family services. So he tweeted that out. And that was just such a, you know, infuriating thing that happened where, you know, the state is funding this thing. And then the City University of New York also tweeted out how basically that $800 million, uh, $850 million that's being spent for the stadium could have been used to actually make the City University of New York free for everyone. And so those tweets that are circulating about right. sort of the screwed up nature of that are probably my favorite tweet of the week. And also Brilliant. to get back, I know we finished on the Will Smith thing, but there's a great reenactment of Will Smith slapping Chris Rock 
but created within the Sims. You know, the, the yeah, <laughs> it's two Sims characters, and I just thought the <laughs> outfits are the same. It's like Oscar's stage. I thought that was that was. Are fun. they talking Sims language though? They're like leepy lappy loopy. It's like leepy lappy loopy. Yeah, no, there's no audio on it if I remember, but that was the other thing. And yes, uh, if anyone, you know, would love, yeah, we'd love to hear folks' opinions in the comments on our new documentary on trespassing laws in the U.S. Uh, it's on YouTube, Instagram, all the, all the platforms. Awesome. Jaquise, how about you? Where can they find you, follow you? What's a tweet that you're liking? Ah, you know what it is, everybody. You can find me in these streets. Uh, speaking of which, if you are in Dallas, Texas this weekend, this, oh, is, this is this is an evergreen. But if you are in Dallas, Texas this weekend, I'm there. We uh we there for WrestleMania. So if you are there, hit me up. Let's uh let's let's enjoy WrestleMania weekend together. Everybody else. Okay. I'll be coming to a city near you sometime. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, what's a tweet? I'm looking for one. You know, Twitter hasn't been funny over the past 24 hours. It's just been annoying for the most part. But <laughs> right. this one comes from at Mevy Bear. And it is, you know, when you know, you have two things and then the handshake in between. And it is mm -hmm. Zoe Kravitz and Jeremy Lin. Prime lasting a good month. Uh <laughs> 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 which is uh, very oh, funny to me i love that <laughs> yeah that's it I, I don't know that's it yeah okay get off stay off twitter for the weekend everybody uh enjoy the sun <laughs> and be happy you know enjoy enjoy this beautiful april weather that we're about to get uh one last time since i don't know when i'll be coming back on the tdz i'm sure it'll be sometime in the near future but april yeah. 8 uh may 8th mother's day Comedian Feud in L.A. Come check it out if you are here. Tickets are now on sale as of right now. Paul F. Tompkins versus the Lauren Lapkus team. I'm hosting. It's going to be a good-ass time. It's going to be a good-ass time. I'm excited for it. I'm going to be busting out the suit. You know, going to be looking snazzy. So uh, come on out, everybody. Yeah. Wait, are you going to gonna have a nice uh, Steve Harvey suit on? You know, I'm not going I'm not going to be wearing the old Deacon pimp suit. Uh, you know, I'm yeah, going to have yeah, regular-ass yeah. shoulders. You know, the but Carmelo I'm going to have a suit on now. I'm going, I'm going, I always okay. do this show. I haven't done this show in three years. So, oh, you know, it'll be very fun. But I, whenever I used to do it, I would always bust out the suit. So the suit is, I might right. even buy a new suit for this shit. Oh, shit. You okay. know, who knows? Well, I know okay. Paul going to be wearing the suit. So I got to be wearing the suit. I can't, oh, I can't yeah. host my own show and not and let Paul outdress me. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you're, you're a, excellent host uh so i think you'll you'll, you'll be you'll be just fine it'll be good, it'll be good. I'm, I'm looking forward to it so come on now let's see some tweets that i like really this this one from uh actually no one is from at no context brits and i'm sorry that this is a picture but i just found it so funny because uh it's just one of those things where it says no one and then the next one says the british museum and it's these two dudes like you know how people go to the leaning tower of pisa and try and like lean on it and shit <laughs> These dudes framed the Leaning Tower of Pisa as if they were stealing it and putting it in their backpack. <laughs> so anybody who's been to that, that that British History Museum, there's a lot of stolen shit up in there. So that one really resonated with me because they, re they really made it look like they're like, yo, get this fucking Leaning Tower in this fucking backpack. Um, and then Sean Clements, Clements, at Sean Clements tweeted, 
Imagining two guys playing catch and they each say thank you every time they're thrown the ball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Just a fucking very polite game of catch. Uh, you can find me at Miles of Gray on Twitter and Instagram. You already know about 420 Day Fiance. You better know about Mad Boosties, Jack and I's new basketball podcast. The first episode came out yesterday with Jackie Sneal. So tune ah. into that wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, support us. Uh, on our basketball journey. Um, you can find us at Daily Zeitgeist on Twitter, at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnotes. There it is. Uh, where we post, look, all the all the articles we talked about, uh, as well as the song we write out on. Today, we're going to write out on this track called Pasto, P-A-S-T-O, by the Synchro Rhythmic Eclectic Language. That is a mouthful for a band, but this is like a very vibey, like Latin jazz piece from way back. But it's like the kind of music since it's Friday. Like if your day's winding down, put this track on, cook yourself some, fix yourself a drink or whatever you do to unwind. But just do that to this song. and You're going to feel like a movie character. I, I promise you. I promise you. So check out Pasto by the Synchro Rhythmic Eclectic Language. Uh, it's a pretty cool track. Uh, and again, Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. So for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get them free pods. And we'll see you later to tell you what's trending. And then we're back next week to do it all again. All right, y'all. See you then. Bye. Here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Zeit gang, you like to watch new stuff, right? I mean, who doesn't? I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.